Welcome to HR Futures Podcast, uh, brought to you by Expedite HR, the people behind Circal and Working Futures. This series is also supported by Zealous, the UK's largest HR and benefits provider. With me today is uh, Debbie Moore, uh, the HR Director at GLH uh, Hotels. Uh, and Debbie's had a very varied career being HR Directors in retail, in the pubs business, and um, earlier in her career, uh, the HR Director at Post Office. So, welcome, Debbie. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, so, first question, I suppose, is just tell us a bit about what you're currently doing, you know, the business you're in, the size of it, what it does. Okay. So, GLH stands for Great London Hospitality, and we employ nearly 2,000 people across 17 hotels. 14 of those hotels are in Zone 1. Probably our best-known brand is Thistle, and we have 11 Thistle hotels, but then we've also got what we call our Big Six, and they're mostly four-star hotels. Three of them operate under the Amber brand, and they're in Marble Arch, Charing Cross, and uh, the Grosvenor at Victoria Station. We also have the only Hard Rock Hotel in the UK, and we operate that as a franchisee. We've got the iconic Tower Hotel that's probably got some of the best views in London. And we have a five-star hotel, the Royal Horse Guards, which is in Whitehall Place. Um, As Group HR Director, I'm also responsible for all aspects of HR, but I've got the guest experience team reporting to me as well. Oh, that's interesting. It's not as weird as it sounds, actually, because if you think back to the Sears value chain, best for team, best for guests, best for investor. So actually, it flows on quite nicely. Okay, great. So one of my questions I'm always interested when I'm talking to people is, how did you get into the HR in the first place? Because, you know, there's not many people that go, yeah, at university had an epiphany. I decided I wanted to be in HR. Most people sort of fall into it. So what was your story? Oh, right. Well, I definitely fell into it. So when I went to university, my ambition, if you can call it an ambition, was to be the uh, manager of Topshop in Eldon Square. Uh, then <laughs> started, yeah, exactly. I love clothes. That was as, probably as shallow as that, I'm afraid to say. Uh, I then went into retail fashion management. And then my early ambition then was to be a retail ops director. And I did six years in store and area management roles. But then I was seconded into the training department to write the company training program. And when the training secondment finished, instead of going back into my, I was then an area manager, um, they offered me the opportunity to stay and train. And this is telling how long ago it was. First of all, that was with ETAM, which not oh, many I people remember, remember. I remember yeah. ETAM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's because you're old as well, Kevin. Yeah. Um, and I trained as what was called a personnel manager. Yeah. And here I am still in HR a lot of years later. Although anybody who knows me will know that I have still stayed very close to the operation. I love being out in the operation and you can often find me rolling my sleeves up and getting stuck in. So I'm going to come, back, I'm going to come back to that because I'm going to ask you some yeah. questions about HR. And I'm sure that's going to be part of your answer. So yeah. you're still interested in fashion? <laughs> not so much at my age. <laughs> still buy a lot of clothes, but they're probably not that fashionable anymore. Yeah. One of the other things I'm really interested in is you've worked in lots of sectors, haven't you? So yeah. Hotels, clearly, but obviously pub business, post office, retail. Tell me about what you think the the differences are and the similarities. So the difference is, you know, what is it that HR needs to do in each of those businesses? Or is it the same and you just apply it differently? Um, so yes and no, really. My HR strategy has always been focused around recruiting or attracting the best people, developing and then retaining them. But the activities and the focus in each of these areas does vary depending on what industry you're in or what challenges that company's um, facing at the time. So it might be some 
brand building if you haven't got a strong employer brand it might be challenges with the supply in the labor market might be high yeah. turnover might be the need to train a lot of people either remotely or cheaply or actually in the case of glh all of the above <laughs> um, but the, there are obviously also different business challenges that affect the hr activity as well and the priorities so whether that's you're in an acquisition mm. position or restructuring or chupi or in the case of raw mail gaining union and uh, agreements and stuff so yeah. i've probably done all of those several times over in my in my career so, so when you sort of you know you've joined an organization yeah. for the first time and you're looking at well what do we do and what do we not do what do you use what's your sort of criteria for going actually we need to do those things but we can leave all this alone how do you go through sort of weighing up what should be in the strategy and what shouldn't um I do look at some metrics because I've normally got a, a pretty good idea yeah. of what good or, or bad is. So I can see where we're behind the market, whether we're, you know, whether yeah, yeah. it's worth the effort to try and get a little bit ahead or whatever. But the main thing I do is talk to people. So I'll talk to my, my colleagues, my peers, but I'll also go out and talk to people in the organisation because I think that gives you a really good benchmark about how people are feeling, what their current perception of HR is, what they'd like to see. Yeah. And they don't always know everything no. that can be done but just talking to people about how they're feeling gives you a, a very good view and you can look at you know talk to people who've been promoted internally how easy that was so it's a combination of the sort of the qual and the quant yeah. if you like okay I, I, I get that and again how do you make the trade-offs is it what do you think well what's going to have the biggest impact yeah, what's going to make the most difference to the yeah. customer or yeah. financially or whatever I mean look it doesn't get on my to-do list if there isn't some kind of business benefit. So ideally a financial one, you know, and it, it yeah, might yeah, be yeah. an indirect benefit. So putting a new benefit scheme in ultimately yeah, should yeah. lead to better engagement, better productivity, better retention, or it might just be something that's an absolute tangible way you can say, yeah, yeah. we can do this more efficiently. We can save some money. Okay. But if it's, if there is not some kind of business benefit, I'm afraid it doesn't really get on the to-do list. Absolutely. Okay. And, and one of the things you mentioned just earlier on was that you've got the customer, what did you call it? The customer? Uh, guest experience. Guest experience. Yeah. So the customer service yes. stuff. So you measure them, yeah. MPS or whatever yeah, you're using. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and did you, was that a given when you arrived or did you sort of put your arms around and think, I wouldn't mind that? Yeah. Um, we were actually changing the structure. So we've got an almost entirely new exec team at GLH. Okay. There's a lot of changes, new CEO, new COO, new CFO, and obviously myself, we've all joined this summer. Okay. And um, Alan, the CEO, is restructuring, and we've brought a COO in who's picked up operations and commercial, and he's ended up with about 15 direct reports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sort of said, mm, actually, I could have guest experience. I had it in my previous role at TRG as well, okay. and there are an amazing number of synergies, and I'm already working with my head of guest experience to look at correlations between, between yeah, the people measures and the guest measures, and hurrah, there are some. Well, yeah, yeah, they yeah. normally are, aren't yeah, they? I mean, absolutely. I think, There's a bit of a lag sometimes. There is. Yeah. yeah. And I think what's interesting as well is that even when you talk to HR people, there's still a lot of HR people that don't get it. Even yeah. not so much in perhaps retail, because I think they've had it yeah. from the SEER stuff for 20 years, but in other sectors, you know, wherever yeah. you're doing customer facing stuff, there's a real opportunity to just use yeah. it to see what has an impact. Yes. You know, okay. Um, so let's have a think about um, your career to date then. So a bit of reflection, really. Yeah. So tell us about, you know, the thing that you sort of, you look back on your career and go, this is the thing that I think, you know, 
I'm proudest of, that made the most impact. The thing that you think, actually, if I was, you know, writing my career story, this would be the sort of lead story. <laughs> Not my epitaph, but no. no. <laughs> okay. Um, there's actually two things. Yeah. So the first one might not sound that positive, but when I was the HR director at the post office, I actually got Unite the Management Union to agree to compulsory redundancy for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that meant that we could downsize the office structure because the post office at that point was doing a lot of closures. Yeah. We had a far too top-heavy structure. But without compulsory redundancy, we were losing people who wanted to go and often they were the yeah. people with the skills that we needed. And we had this terrible situation where if we couldn't find a role for somebody, we'd actually pay them to sit at home, which was terrible for, for their career, as well as obviously yeah. costing the, the company a lot of money. So eventually managed to persuade Unite that that was the right thing to do. Tell me how you did that. I'll be interested. Well, I mean- we actually spoke to some of the individuals. And because what was happening is we were, particularly the people that were just sitting yeah. there without a job, to go to they were less interested in the the structure that we had but these individuals because we were just paying them but we weren't doing anything with them because we were just paying them so they didn't have anything to worry about and so we talked to quite a few of them they said look if you could give us some support some career advice you know it would be really helpful so eventually and it was I think it was a three-month consultation period rather than the normal you know statutory minimum but at the end of it, if we couldn't genuinely couldn't find anything, at least they were going out into the labour market with some a good Skills CV, a, a good outplacement support. Yeah, in some cases we did tra- you know, pay to retrain mm. people. And that was particularly the case because not so much people in London because the, the, the job market has always yeah. been pretty buoyant. But there were people, we used to have regional centres that we'd closed and they were sitting there without jobs to go to. So... Um, and I eventually agreed to it and of course Royal Mail immediately read it across and got it as well but, <laughs> but it, I think I genuinely believe it was a positive both for the company and for the and individuals, for the, individuals concerned, yeah. Yeah. Um, the second one is a little bit more positive if you like um, was the work I did when I was at Spirit on engagement, employee branding and apprentices and it, it was all together so when I joined Spirit it was it was a bit at the down and dirty end of hospitality. Okay. We had some fairly. So, what do you mean by down and dirty? Why was it down and dirty? It, we had some fairly rough local pubs and things. Okay. You know, there was quite a lot of ER issues. Um, it wasn't necessarily a nice place to work okay. um, because of the, yeah, the nature yeah, of the, sure. the buildings. And I, I went there after Royal Mail, but my previous background had been retail. So I said, "Oh, why don't we get more people from retail?" And they said, because retail people don't want to come and join, you know. Yeah. At that point, it was it's longer hours even than the retail. And as I say, you know, it was a bit, yeah. a bit tastier, if you like, in yeah. terms of the, t- the type of places that you'd have to visit yeah. or the type of roles that you're going to have to do if you were joining to work in one of the pubs. But we did a lot of work on the brand, a lot of work on engagement with our existing yeah. people. Uh, we brought over a thousand apprentices into the business. Brilliant. We actually had our own in-house apprentice training team rather nice. than paying okay. somebody else. And as a result, you know, gradually people started to realise it was a good place to work, that you could progress your career. And we ended up reducing the turnover by 25%. Nice. Internal promotions went up by nearly 40%. 
And we did get the Times, and it was 16th Times Best Company, which doesn't brilliant. sound great, but bearing in mind that well, this hard. is zero hours contract, you know, a, a tough industry. We weren't sitting there with beanbags no. and free beers on a Friday. You know, these are people who are out there working hard in the estate. So I, I've got very fond memories of the, my time at Spirit. And what, what's the big piece of learning from that experience? What's the bit you think, well, it worked because we did this, this and well, this? Well, it worked because the whole of the exec team was behind it. So every week, without fail, we'd all be out in the business, talking to people, helping them out, you know, just going yeah. along. We did a lot of um, recognition events, a lot of competitions so people really felt invested yeah. in in what was happening but it wasn't something that hr could do on their own yeah. it took everybody everybody on the exec team working as a team so let's go to the other side of that question yeah. which is you know if you think back what is there in your career you go well that was a big learning experience you know something that didn't go quite as well you know, a mistake or yeah. failure, which is, you know, I mean, it's part of all of our uh, lives. Yeah. But again, you often learn as much from that as you do from the things yeah. that go well. Um, I think it, this is a sort of a leadership answer, if you like. So throughout my career, whether it was as a, a store manager or an area manager or, or in, indeed in HR, the roles I've enjoyed the most and been most effective in is where I've had a strong working relationship with my boss, which at the moment obviously has been the CEO for quite a lot of years. And I've liked them as a person as well as respecting them as a boss. And in hindsight, if I'd done my research better and listened to my gut instinct, then honestly, there'd probably be a couple of companies that wouldn't have made it onto my CV. But, you know, not, you know what they say about what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, so I haven't really so. got any regrets, but no. it was certainly is some, certainly something I've learned. And now if I was, if I was going to look for another job, which is probably not likely at this stage, um, that would be a, the absolutely primary consideration. So t- t- tell me about, because I think there'll be a lot of the people, you know, that perhaps aspire to be HR directors mm. or earlier in their careers. And so what would you do as a due diligence if you're going to an organisation and you're looking at, you know, the chief exec and you're trying to make a decision about, I suppose, whether they get people, what they like to yeah. work for, how they manage the organisation and stuff. So how do you go about doing that? So if you think about it, yeah. What would you do differently? So, you know. Uh, well, in, in the case I can remember that's quite recent, um, I asked to meet other members of the exec team and I was told that I couldn't. Um, right. Um, okay, that's sort of a warning yeah, sign, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> I, know. I don't know what I was looking for apart from big red flashing lights saying, yeah. don't take this job. But that for me is, you know, if you can't talk to other members yes. of the team, then you wonder why on earth that is. And most people in that scenario, they might be a bit guarded at first, but they will end up being honest. You will be able to tell. I mean, look, you can do all the whole sort of social media search and find out whether they've spoken about stuff. Um, To some extent, the roles they've done previously might be an indicator, but for me... At the end of the day, and what about when you sat down with them one on one and you're having those okay. conversations? So, one of my favorite questions, if you like, is do people earn your trust or do they lose your trust? Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I, I trust people until they let me down, and I tend to work better with people with who have that approach. Whereas, if in fact, the person in question um, actually said to me, I don't ever trust anybody. Another big flashing light going on there, but hey, I chose to ignore them. But okay. but but it, but those kind of things, it just 
I'm not saying that that other approach is wrong. I'm just saying that this is how I choose to work. I choose to work in an open environment where feedback is welcomed, yeah. you know, where you feel that you can have a different yeah. opinion, which is also important. Particularly yeah. as an HR director, yeah. you are there as, you know, their conscience, if you like. They're not just yeah. a confidant, but you, can, you should be able to say to them, actually you didn't handle that meeting particularly well or you you need to understand that so-and-so is feeling particularly yeah, yeah, unloved yeah. at the moment or, yeah, or whatever yeah, 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 it is yeah. and and actually if you've got the right relationship they will they take will that in the spirit yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. okay um so I think that's I think that's a, a great piece of advice, really. I mean, I think that you know I go out and talk to HR people quite a lot, and quite often you get people going, "Well, I'm trying this, I'm trying this," and and they'll often say things like, "They don't get it," and I just think life's too short. If yeah. they don't get it, it doesn't matter how good you are; yeah. they're never really going to be able to. Well, look, the often culture. they don't get it because they don't want to. No, I get that. You know, as well. if they've got to that level in their career and they've chosen not to develop that muscle or that skill set, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. like, then that's probably how it's going to continue. No, I think that's right. Um, tell us a bit about what you're doing at, uh, within this job. Because how long have you been there now? Uh, three months. So it's not long. So not you're really long. you no. just done your hundred days. Yes. Yeah. So I'm sure you, you've worked out what you're going to focus on. So yeah. tell us some of the challenges and, and, and what yeah. you're aiming to do in the next couple of years. Well, there's a couple of challenges that are actually generic to the hospitality market in general, and particularly the London market. And yeah. as I said earlier, the vast majority of our properties are in London. Yeah. Um, so the London market, the labour market, has tightened a lot over the last couple of years. Particularly, the European net migration has dropped. Yeah. Um, obviously people keep using the Brexit word I'm not actually sure it is entirely down to Brexit I think it's the value of the pound these European workers can go and work earn more in Germany or or Ireland and and send more money home and they must really feel a bit more welcome there yes possibly I think the Brexit thing has certainly made them feel less welcome but there are also, I don't know if you know, there's, there's been a, a phenomenal number of new hotel rooms coming on, on mm-hmm. site in London, both at the top end and, you know, Premier Inn have expanded, but there's also new five-star hotels. So we are competing with a smaller market for yeah. you know, more people competing it. So that's that's one of our challenges. And actually, we're reviewing the salaries and benefits because at the moment yeah. our pay is not competitive. And the knock-on effect that that is having is that we're we've got higher turnover than most people. We're yeah. finding it difficult to attract people. Honestly, the people we're attracting are not not the highest of quality. So we need to do a lot more work on training and Gen- developing yeah. them. But really, the the cost of the churn, not just in terms of the financial cost, but the impact Time, on the guest experience, energy, yeah. et cetera. Because you know, if you've always got a third of your employees are new, then that is bound to impact on the, the, the experience yeah. that the guests get in the hotel. So um, we have got a USP, which I think we haven't necessarily exploited, is versus a lot of our competitors like Hilton or Marriott, yeah, yeah. which have got, they, they can offer you the opportunity to travel in your career and you know work all over the place. We can offer you the opportunity to progress your career without having to move, which is equally attractive to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we haven't really leveraged that. We don't have career pathways in place. So when people are promoted internally, it's tended to be because their managers moved on and taken their loyal people with them, which actually can cause a lot of bad feeling because other people say, well, I didn't even know that role was available. So we're really focusing on what, what we pay what benefits we have yeah yeah. so that's to attract people in but then once we've got them in 
give them a career path, give them the opportunity to progress and actually be nice to them, talk to them, you know. Yeah, so a lot I, of it's about management, yeah, isn't it? Don't absolutely. say management of people. And having having all those hotels in London, it makes it so easy. You, you know, can, yeah. I can I can spend a, an afternoon and go and visit three sites and do proper visits there. You know, yeah. so there's no excuse. And we've just put some listening groups in as well to actually hear from people how they're actually feeling. I'm doing those with the COO. So I'm hope I'm very, feel very positive that we will. Crack this. Sounds like you've got some stuff to work yes, on. Yes, certainly have got some stuff to work on. Yeah, never, never a dull moment. No. Uh, and a bit of a question about HR now, yeah. really, generally. You know, again, I suppose, and it's just your view, really, because I'm interested in this, is, is about HR's role in change and transformation, yeah. really. Should we, should the profession, I mean, I think we need greater capability, but should we be leading this? Should we be supporting it? Do we influence it? I'm just interested because I think most organisations are, are going through some kind of yeah. disruption. It just seems to be getting quicker and quicker, whether it's technology-driven or market-driven or labour market-driven. So I'm just interested in your views, really. Um, my view on this is that the HR team should absolutely be instrumental in supporting the business in their thinking, get them to articulate what success looks like, what needs to happen for the change or whatever it is to land. Um, and we can certainly run the practical aspects if there's redundancy consultations or recruitment or post-change yeah, yeah, yeah. engagement events. However, in my view, a transformation program without visible CEO and exec team sponsorship and involvement will fail. Because actually what won't happen is that it won't land afterwards because mm. people in all those departments, if they're... If they're leader is not absolutely on board with it then they'll just slip back into their old ways Um, in terms of the skills well I do think the skills and competencies of coaching influencing engagement and organizing should be part of any good HR professionals toolkit but I don't think you should be afraid to ask for expert help if you're doing a major transformation because otherwise the cost of getting it wrong is far more than the cost of bringing in a bit of expertise you know and there are there are companies that that is their their core competence but what you need to do is make sure that as the hr person you're helping them to understand the organization rather than just yeah. you know, getting a presentation out that they've done previously yeah, yeah, yeah. and just applying it, off. it to your yeah, context absolutely. and what works for you. Yeah, I suppose it's an ally. You know, it, it's related. Um, and just when you look at HR, you know, what do you think it needs to be better at? You know, because I think I've been in it a long time, like you, Debbie. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, been in lots of different organisations, and there are lots of people doing really good stuff. You know, there are lots yeah. of really competent HR people that blow you away, but there's as many that I go. Really? <sighs> you know, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. how do we move from you know perhaps it's fifty fifty now to where it's the majority of people are doing the right stuff and focusing on the, you know, what do we need to do? Yeah. Is it that we need to hire different people? Do we need to train them more? What you know, views, opinions? I, I, I'm not sure that we've always looked for the right thing when we've been recruiting people. So I think the profession itself has has changed a lot in terms you know if I mm. think back to my old personnel days in terms of what I was expected to do then versus what mm. I expect my business partners to do now yes you know be real yeah, business yeah. partners not just you know clear up mess yeah um I do think probably as a as a function we've been a bit slow to look for efficiencies and to automate so I don't think we've helped ourselves in terms of the perception of HR and some people do fall back into their comfort zone of policing or bureaucracy or, and yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. whole sort of bureaucratic piece um 
And actually, being honest, the thing that used to wind me up about HR for a long time, you see all these articles in people management, you know, navel gazing about whether HR added value. You'd never pick up a finance magazine and see anything stupid like that. Should have been so, on a top table. That yeah. was always the best oh, one, Oh, unbelievable. Well, you know, it's like, well, if you, if you don't believe in yourselves, who, who else is going to believe in you? But, but looking forwards, I think the, really the, the conversations that we've been having about the shrinking labour market, you've now got a labour market that's multi-generational, yeah, yeah, yeah. who all want different things. And the value that HR can really add is in the talent space to make sure that we've, we're structuring jobs in a way that are attractive to all these yeah, yeah. different people with different needs. Don't just assume that everybody will be grateful to have a job and work nine till five mm. or whatever. Um, and make sure that we've got the skills that we need for business success. So understand the business you're yeah. in. Don't be taken short. Don't go, oh, suddenly we need loads of programmers. If you know what the business strategy is, HR should be thinking ahead and building those talent pipelines, whether it's internal or, you know, yeah, yeah. or going out to market. But you shouldn't ever be reacting. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's lots of things in there that HR needs to do. I mean, I think, you know, I did a survey recently and this surprised me. Some really good HR directors, 25 I interviewed. And a lot of the questions was about, you know, school your HR function. And most of them, 84% scored it as average or slightly worse, which worries me because we've got good HR directors yeah. still going, well, actually. And it might be that they just can see the opportunity in their company. Yeah. And then we said, tell us about your development program for your HR people. Only 22% had some kind of strategic. So wow. I think one of the things that we... We sort of get to ourselves last, perhaps. Mm, you know, we yeah. spend a lot of time worrying about the business and doing other things rather than going, yeah. have I got the right capability around me to deliver what we yeah. need to do? Um, and I think that's a, always a big challenge when you take on a new HR role, is yes. have I got the right capability around me to not just have a great strategy, but how I'll execute it. But we, I've just had this conversation with the HRBPs because I do want them to move more into the talent succession you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, space. But one of them asked, can we have some time for development? And I said, absolutely. What does that look like? Oh, but, you know, there's there's loads of stuff out there. You know, I've never worked in organisations where there's been loads of money to spend. So I'm great at sort of spotting opportunities and then getting them to share the knowledge. But you're right. You know, if you're not careful, it's sort of physician healed herself. And, you know, they're so busy sorting out other people and their development that they don't necessarily think about it. Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll take a break there. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes for the second half of the HR Futures podcast with Debbie Moore from GLH Hotels. Are you looking to reduce risks and operating costs or increase your agility and capacity? There's more pressure than ever for HR and finance to provide strategic value for the business and for CEOs. At Zealous, our expert team creates software and managed services that handle your entire payroll and HR admin processes. We believe there are two sides to the employee experience. The fundamentals that need to go unnoticed and experiences that employees really care about. And we can help you master both. We're here to make the complex simple, freeing you up to focus on your people and achieve your goals. Find out more at zealous.com. Welcome back to the second part of our HR Futures podcast. With me today is uh, Debbie Moore, uh, who's the HR Director of GLH Hotels. And we spoke in the first half a lot about uh, what she's doing in her new role, 
Uh, we talked about her career to date and her experiences. And we're now going to explore a few things in relation to the future of HR, I suppose, in our profession. So if a young person came to you uh, today and perhaps they've left university, done some work experience or something and said, I'm thinking about working in HR, what would you be saying? What advice would you give them? Uh, my advice would be don't go straight into HR. Personally, I think you add more value to the HR function if you go in there with other experience, um, a, a broader business base, whether that's working yeah. in finance or operations or, or something. However, I appreciate that these days a lot of people do go straight into HR. It's what they want to yeah. do, do an HR degree, etc. So if you go in there, my advice would be really take the time to understand the business you work in. Because if you don't, the value you can add is always going to be limited because it goes back to what I was saying previously. You tend then to become reactive or just dealing with the small stuff rather yeah, yeah, than yeah. being able to add value on, on the bigger picture, the bigger strategic piece. Um, and in terms of your career in HR, um, I'd try and get a mix of specialist and generalist HR experience as your, yeah. your career progresses. Um, nobody expects everybody to know everything, to be an expert on everything but as, as a senior HR leader. But if you know where your strengths are, then you can build the rest of your team to complement those. And, yeah. you know, if you've had the opportunity to deep dive on a couple of things. So in, in my time, I've specialised in recruitment, specialised in talent. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there will always be areas of interest. I yeah. know, given my <laughs> lack of Excel skills, I'm always going to be weak on the reward. Lots <laughs> of ideas, not so good at execution in terms of the, uh, the spreadsheet side. So I've always tried to have a, a strong reward person. Mm. But I do think having that level of variety will help. But the, the absolute key to adding value in your career, HR career is, is understanding your business. Yeah. Do you, do you, so people that have perhaps you know, been in HR for a few years, would you suggest that they look for a role in the line somewhere? You know, so go, you know, do your HR stuff, yeah. get a handle on it, but then actually go off and do something else and perhaps come back to HR or not come back yes, to HR. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I've toyed with that a couple of times in my life, you know, talked yeah. about going to do ops directors roles and things like that. And I think perhaps the other thing that we need to think about as an HR profession is attracting people that have never done HR. Yes, yeah. And I'm not sure we do that enough, really, you know, ops people, sales people that actually have got a bend, perhaps get yeah. people quite well and yeah, one of the, fancy the, it. One of the, the strongest members of my team was a guy who was an ops director at Spirit. Um, he was desperate to get into HR. And I said, yeah, come, come be my number two, you know. We sucked up the, the salary piece. I think that's what stops a lot of yes, people as well, by the fair. way, because, you know, move it when you get to a reasonably senior level, yeah. HR isn't necessarily the best paying function. No. So people, that puts them off. But we sucked it up and, and Ian is now a successful HR director in his own right. So Good stuff. Yeah, I just think we've got to think differently. And I yeah. think the other thing, I don't know about your view on this, is I think we've got to attract different type of people yes. to the profession. So I do this thing on an MBA program where I do a strategic module on HR. I start off by saying, who's, HR, who's worked in HR is in HR? A couple of hands go up. And then I go out of a group of about 40. And then I go, so how many of you want to spend some time in HR? The two hands normally go down. <laughs> and then there's no one. And you think, right. well, why, this why is here? that? Yeah. And, I, and I don't know whether it is the reward. Or, or is it that we've just not sold the profession I particularly well? I don't think we well? sold it. I think in, in a lot of companies, you are still seen as a policeman, the department that likes to say no, yeah. the bureaucrats. 
And there's no need for that these days. You know, so much more stuff can be automated. It it doesn't need to be a paper-pushing function anymore. You know, you push the self-service stuff out and actually we can get on with the the value-added stuff. And it it always worries me when you go into a company and the HR team are so proud of all the stuff that they're still holding centrally. And it's like, but why? So why are we doing this? Yeah, 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 exactly. So... I always like it when they talk about policies and yeah. we've got this policy and procedure, you go, oh, really? Because mm. actually we become part of the problem, don't we? Yeah, we become absolutely. a bit of stifles. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, let's get real. You know, I've got a, a workforce for 66% of whom English is not their first language. Hmm, how many policies do we think they're reading? Yeah. That would be precisely none. Yes. Yeah. So you just need to make it easy to do business, make ourselves easy to do business with. Yeah. Tell me about... Um, uh, slightly different question about first line managers you know I'm, yeah. I, I think because of the sectors you've worked in particularly I think of retail and hospitality you know it's often site you know located yeah. everyone's working and, and, and frontline managers are critical right? uh, just just give me a, a bit of a flavor about your view on that and what you've done in your careers because for me it's if you get that right yeah. HR's job is so much easier isn't it? yeah they are absolutely the key and I do think organizations I've worked in as well we've been guilty of promoting people because they've been a good lad and you know done things well maybe been the the best sort of server or whatever and then suddenly they're an assistant manager and we've given them no management skills and then we're expecting them to manage people who were previously their colleagues and they're probably quite young as well so I do think one of the things I'm doing at the moment, I talked about the fact we're going yeah. to put career paths in. We're also going to do some pre-skilling and some development centres to, to start to give people that development before they get yeah, into the role. Good. And and actually, you do find a lot of people when they get into the jobs, they don't really, no. wasn't necessarily what they wanted. Some of them absolutely go on and thrive. But going back to your point, Kevin, when you've got a dispersed workforce, particularly in you know retail or pubs yeah. or restaurants, they're the people they work for. They don't, you know, they might work yeah. for GLH or TRG or whatever, but the person who is they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis determines how they feel, how engaged they are, how productive they are, all those things. So anything that we can invest in making mm. those frontline managers the best they can possibly be is, in my view, money well spent. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, uh, you did mention automation a little earlier. And, you know, if you can't pick up a magazine or uh, watch a business program without a conversation about AI and algorithms and machine learning, you know, the robots are coming. If yeah. I hear that once, yeah. I've, I've heard it a thousand times. I'm just interested in what you think HR should be doing because there's an opportunity and a threat, I suppose. Yeah. But I, I, clearly we need to be thinking about this before it lands, really. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think we were slow to get off the mark, but I do think there's been some progress in terms of you know now you can yeah. get a chatbot on both most yeah, yeah, HR yeah. systems to, yeah. to answer basic queries. Um, certainly, not yet in in um, GLH, but in previous companies we've used some gamification to help with um, training where people can get rewards and yeah. you know use them for competitions which appeals not so much to the older generation, but certainly yeah. the young. And, you know, we do have, we do tend to have quite a young workforce in, in hospitality, particularly yeah. on the food and beverage side. Um, in terms of automation across the business, 
Um, GLH has been a little bit behind the curve. Um, I mean, what, do you, what would automation in a like. hotel chain look like? Okay, so one of the things, it's, it's already happening some of the bigger chains, but we're looking at where you can do automatic. It's a bit like, the, it's almost exactly like the airport models where okay. you can self-check in and then your confirmation actually gives you a QR code that becomes your key. So if you don't want to, you can literally just walk straight through reception up to your room and and get yourself in. But like the airport model, you still have to have some people in reception because there will be some people who won't want to check in that way or will want the help with their luggage. But as the guest profile changes over the years, so, you know, in 10 years time, there'll probably be a few people in reception. Maybe not. Maybe there'll be robots, but certainly as you go on. And and that's actually evidence. We're just trialling at the moment um, okay. something in Hard Rock where if you've got a problem with your room, normally you'd pick up the phone to reception or yeah. housekeeping or whatever and say, I need a new pillow, blah, blah, blah. Now you can just use your QR code and, and send them a message. And the take-up of that is phenomenal, which just goes to show that Young a lot people of people... Young people just don't like talking they don't, to people. They don't like talking to people. Absolutely. That is exactly it. So, you know, and the other thing that we've done, again, it's not very groundbreaking, but because most of our hotels are in London, it's been quite easy to program the, the TV. So now they can do some interactive uh, stuff okay. about where, what sort of things you want to go and see and give yeah, them yeah. some recommendations. Again, traditional role of the concierge are we taking all the concierge out no but we can certainly reduce the number of concierge the number of reception staff um where where it hasn't really taken off is virtual eating and drinking so probably luckily for us with i think for for the foreseeable future we're probably still going to need chefs and some serving staff and you know things like that so what we've got to do there is make it an attractive career proposition rather than something that people just yeah. drift in and out of, which is how hospitality F&B And I suppose one of the things, the big challenges yeah. of automation and all of this stuff is, yeah, it makes us more efficient. So it saves yeah. some cost, but it's a bit about how do we use it to provide more value to yes. customers? How do better we make service. it a better experience? Yeah. And yeah. I think you're right, the generational <coughs> stuff. Yeah. So I think of my son, he would, yeah, if he was going in, he'd be quite happy not to talk to anyone yeah. and order food in his room. And Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I'm the opposite, I, you know. Yeah, I yeah, like to have a, a chat. Yeah. yeah, so how's things with you? And I'm really, you <laughs> yeah. know. But so, I do think that as that generation comes through, yeah. the, the demand for the, you know, self-service. Yeah. And, and actually, yes, the, number, the amount of room service has gone up, but actually so is the number of people ordering in, you know, it's quite yes. common for an Uber Eats guy or yeah, a delivery guy to, to come to the hotel. Time. Yeah, yeah. Because I that's what they I wouldn't dream to. of that. No, no, but, uh, but, no, I, it's, but it's, it's, so, it's totally yeah. logical, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah okay, so lots of change potentially yeah. from, from, from I, th- I think the other focus for, for guests and employees is sustainability. And I think hotels are just starting to get on the well, bandwagon with that. So there's been a load of stuff about the single-use plastics. And, yeah. But we well, could the thing they've been going on about is that bloody thing about washing your towels, isn't yeah. it? It's been yeah. going on. But other than yeah. that... Well, now, so now that a lot of ourselves included, we're getting rid of all the little plastic freebies that you get in the room, which some people are pleased about, others not so pleased, obviously, um, because they expect that in a four-star hotel and you're moving more to the travel, you know, Premier Inn model where there's something on the wall with a dispenser. You fill up a dispenser. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But most people would see the, the benefit. Yeah. You know, we still need to make sure that we don't use plastic cups in the meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff because it's so easy. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. think, oh, well, if we put plastic cups in, we'd have to wash a load of glasses up. But, you know, 
it's not what people expect and do, these and days. do customers really challenge you about yeah. sustainability um not sure it's the actual customers themselves a, a couple might but now with as with everything you it's know we're tendering for the big business uh, the capitals people like that and it's questions that they ask but it's also questions our employees ask so i think that's yeah. one thing about that generation for them it is them, much more important. important yeah so we you know for, for lots of good reasons it's something that we need to start focusing on a lot more Oh, and what's the role in HR in terms of the automation and stuff? So is is some of it about, yeah, we need to we can reduce labour costs, but we can reinvest and add some value. So trying to champion that a little bit. Yeah. And on the sustainability thing, it's most probably just about feeding back how important it is for yes. staff. Yeah, and actually telling them some of the stuff we are doing, because again, yeah. you know, there's stuff going on behind the scenes with energy meters and all that kind of stuff, which, which they wouldn't see, see yeah. you know, and you put the half flush on the toilet, you, the lights are, you know, yeah, move, yeah, moving yeah. across obviously to, to LEDs, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they wouldn't necessarily have, have, have realised that that's the reason we're doing that. So there's a bit of a communication piece, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's also getting the business to understand that, you know, this doing this stuff isn't really optional anymore. No. But yeah, um, in terms of your your point earlier, yes, we probably can reduce the number of receptionists and concierge, but reinvest that in in training or better better rates for the ones we have got. Okay. Um, Before we sort of go on to my final question, just one more about, I suppose, long term, about our profession, HR. You know, we're clearly becoming more important. You see the surveys of chief execs, the whole thing about talent and skills is always really high in the mix. But I think there's a level of frustration with the HR community. So if there was one thing that HR needed to do differently in the next decade, what do you think that is? React more quickly. React more quickly. Or, what do you mean or, or plan, actually. Plan. Get so, in front of stuff. Yes, yeah. yeah so okay. react's the wrong word. Um, so I think a part of the frustration from chief execs is that you know people say oh yes we're on it we're on it we're on it but they never actually see no. very much coming forward or they don't see the evidence and it is difficult let's let's not be wrong you know the the talent piece is very difficult yes. there there aren't a load of spare people sitting no. around waiting to be to be sucked up into these scare you know they're scarce roles yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. scarce roles and that's what that's what makes it difficult and it's it's not just about the pay or anything yeah. else. It's the the whole reason that people go and work for employers and stay there. And, you know, some of the big guys with a lot of money are making, yeah. you know, please look at the Google offices yeah, and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Fantastic. But we're not Google. So no. so why does somebody want to come and work in IT in, in GLH? Well, you know, what is it that we can offer them? Is it a career? Is it great benefits is it just a really nice place to work where we recognize that they need to be flexible because they've got young children or you know but it is about how you differentiate our yes. employee offering yeah. isn't it and it isn't always about the pie it is sometimes about just having good managers yeah. and we treat people great and they can develop and you know we'll invest in people yeah. take yeah. some chances and and that's perhaps where we haven't necessarily put the right level of focus. You know, it's all about the the task rather than yeah. the, the feel. But, okay. But I do I do know that certain CEOs that I that I know get very frustrated about how long things can take to land. Yeah, and I, I, I get that. You know, but at the same time, I think it, it's it is about us being able to influence them and get yeah. them to understand how yeah. difficult it is. Well, then show that we can yeah. do it, you know, yeah. and we can deliver in the short term, and it, but it takes time to land stuff in yeah. the long term. So 
Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, it, I think people do get frustrated, but you know, we're managing something which is a, a sustainable resource, isn't it? Let's yeah. Call it that, you know. But the other thing is, you know, you can talk about the the what it feels to, like to work somewhere. Well, that's not down to HR. No. We can promise all sorts of stuff about no. the employment brand, but if they get in and their IT director's not that interested in no. them or their... Absolutely. So it's it's the whole piece. It's not just the HR piece. And it is about, you know, if we create a great EVP or employer brand, it is about how do we... What is the experience on the ground, yes. isn't it? And yeah. I think that does go back a lot to frontline managers, yeah. but... Because it's worth promising it and then, you know, under-delivering it, so... And yeah, that's when they just bounce consistent. off, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then you get the churn yeah. and then you get the cost. Yeah. Right. So final question then is a bit about you, Debbie, so oh, okay. we just understand yeah. um, a bit more about you as a human being rather than just as an HR director. And I suppose the question is, what you know, what's your passion? What do you do outside of work? What what um, what inspires you? What do you love doing? It might be music or literature or sport, or travel, family, dogs, my, yeah. whatever it is. Okay. Well, I'm going to sound very, very old now. But um, so this time last year, I had actually retired, and I was uh, fiddling around decorating our new house and walking the dogs on the beach because we'd moved to Norfolk. Um, but and I'd also joined. This is my real passion: gardening. There we are. Oh. I didn't ask him to say that, did you? No. So the village that I live in is a big in bloom village. Um, what does that mean? So have you heard of Britain in bloom? Yes. So gotcha. we got okay. a gold medal in Britain in bloom this summer. We won Anglia in bloom again. So we're we're quite famous for it. It's on. And what's the name of the village? Philby. Okay. So you have to have to look that up. Yeah. But well. Yeah. We are we are quite known for it. So I joined the gardening committee when I moved there last year. Uh, so every Saturday morning, rain or shine, I can be out find out there doing the jobs that around the village. And that's all the jobs that sort of common L areas, so yes, roundabouts yeah. and yeah. hedges. So, yeah, um, we, we do everything. We make baskets. So this week we were pulling up the, the bedding plants from the summer and putting the Christmas tree up in the village, you know, all, that, all that kind of stuff. So it's a real community. So having spent 30 years living in Milton Keynes, where there's very little sense of community, really loving that. Um, not and did you look for that? Was yes. that part of the move? You wanted to go somewhere where there was a community and you, yes. could, get, you could yeah. put roots down and feel yeah. more of it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. You know, because the intention was when we moved to Norfolk to retire. However, um, what I did find out is that I'm not, well, I knew I wasn't musical. I'm not also artistic, nor can I sew, nor can I cook to a good enough standard. So uh, the WI was a bit of a non-starter, to be honest. Um, so I do have a gym in the flat I'm renting uh, in, in London and I haven't yet to visit it. So sport's probably not one of the, okay. the big ones. So it's really, it's the dogs, it's the gardening, it's the socialising. So, yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay, thank you for joining us uh, today uh, and participating in our podcast. I think there's lots of really interesting stuff, uh, lots of stuff particularly around frontline managers and some of the challenges of the hospitality industry, particularly in London, um, and some of the things that you're doing. So I know it's early in your career, yeah. not career, early in this role. So I wish you all the best, thank and you. I'm sure it's gonna, you're going to have a good few years there. Thank, thank you. you for joining us. Thank you.